Magic Book Club with Benson's for Beds. Welcome to the Magic Book Club podcast, where we chat to our favourite and most talented of authors and get behind what really makes them tick. And this week, we are joined by author Beth Morrie, previously creative director in the telly business, uh, and now full-time writer with her brilliant debut novel, Saving Missy. Hello. Hello. How does it feel to be introduced as author Beth Morrie? Um, well, I was trying not to giggle because it feels a bit <laughs> weird and dreamlike. <laughs> but it's very nice as well. I enjoyed it. Can we do it again? It's been a yeah, author, Beth Morrie. Thanks. Can I, I'll just refer to you as author Beth Morrie throughout the interview. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. That's fine. Uh, so Saving Missy, it's so lovely. It's made me like howl with laughter but sob and just like feel warm and lovely about the world and desperate about the world in equal measure and it's, it's like it's just lovely um, uh, uh, uplifting um, as well about Missy Carmichael she's a grouchy uh, older lady who's desperately lonely um, with a lifetime of regrets and um, and and finds a whole new little world via a shaggy dog <laughs> yes um, the dog is just the nudge that she needs to push yeah. her back Yes, and I always knew that the dog was part. I knew, always knew, um, you know, kind of, and the people talking about the book. I always knew that the dog was a big part of of the idea. But actually, Bob, the dog, is just a nudge, isn't he? Yes, she could have got anything really. She just needed a little push to get her to re-engage. And I mean, I'm I'm a big dog lover. Um, and that was the thing that I thought would work. I was really interested in the idea of one simple thing being the thing that she needed. And I thought a dog could work because, you know, it takes you into the paths of strangers in the park. And often that can lead to quite unexpected friendships. The, um, uh, they say that everybody does have a book in them. Where, where did this germ of this book or a book start? Well, I've always wanted to write a book. So I've had several books in me kind of started and tailed off. Um, I started writing a book when I was in my 20s, which was a spin-off from uh, Mary Poppins. And it was about <laughs> Winifred Banks, what she got up to when she wasn't in Mary Poppins. And I tried to write it. Oh, well. It sounds great. It could have been a bestseller. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Um, and uh, I didn't finish that. Um, and then I tried, because I worked in telly, I tried to write a quite a dystopian, big novel about working in telly that was kind of dark and funny. Um, you know, maybe I'll revisit it one day. But I think the problem was that I didn't have very much time, firstly. And secondly, I was perhaps tackling subjects that I wasn't very comfortable with. So when I got the chance, I went back to my roots and wrote about what I knew. So I set it in the area I lived in and I kept it first person. Yeah. And I tried to make it manageable for myself. So is is Missy, um, who came first, the dog or Missy or the place? Missy came first, but originally she was a man. Oh, interesting. She would have been much like my dad if she was a man. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I don't know why. I find old men quite sort of um, uh, poignant somehow. Um, but again, because I was a first-time writer, I thought... I probably can't get this voice quite right. Yeah. It, she should probably be a woman and that would be easier for me. Um, so for ages I didn't write anything. I just thought about her and kind of tried to hear her voice in my head. So she came first, then the dog, I guess. May, no, maybe the dog came first. 
I don't know. <laughs> it was just your concert, because we know uh, that you have Polly at home. Yes, Polly, just, my love. Polly, your love, who just, you know, who's there constantly sniffing and licking and barking and, and wagging her tail, I'm sure, constantly reminding you to push on and write more. Yes. And there's, I, what I'm, I tell you what I was really impressed with as well is that I think it's so very hard to, um, I mean, you know, this is what writers are so good at, but particularly, I think, with older people, um, to, th- there's not any sense of, patronising an older brain at all. It's so sensitively done. And I think that that is, and and that's really, really hard to get yourself, not necessarily into the brain of a lonely person, but certainly an older person with all that all that regret. Was that just you thinking about it? Did you do anything to research or what? Do you spend any more particular time with any... Do you hang out with the oldies? <laughs> well, no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that you said that because that really is very... I'm very appreciative of... of you thinking that um but largely it came from two things one was that um i in my day job i devised shows and i devised an itv mm. show called 100 year old drivers and what struck me about the cast that we had for that they were amazing and they didn't really seem old the thing that they shared i mean that's probably what kept them going is that is that they were so curious and alert and they were open to new things and it made me think about old age very differently and thinking when i embarked on this and thinking I'm going to have an 80-year-old protagonist. I was like, oh, gosh, she's going to be really doddery, isn't she? And then I thought, no, why would she? And why would she seem old? The most interesting old people are the ones who don't seem it. So, I mean, while I tried to keep the awareness of her age, I didn't particularly pander to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think, you know, she's more interesting as a result. We won't give... I mean, there's 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 more than... It's fair shares of twists and turns. <laughs> like, for what I begins as I, like, you know, I kind of just... This is a great character study. There are, There's so many plot twists and turns, actually. And I won't give too much away, but there is one moment where uh, Missy finds herself a new job and for various reasons that doesn't that doesn't last very mm-hmm. long. And that, that was really heart-wrenching when, when uh, the job stops for her. And because of what you've just said I was like oh god that's really that's really sad that would have been that would have been such a a great thing for her to do and she would genuinely in the, the process but she just goes into oh she gets a job reading stories at the library and <laughs> and and the, those those first few moments where she goes in and she's so nervous and then it all just kind of falls into place well with the library job although that doesn't work out I mean I kind of have the hope that either it might come back again or because she's now open to these new experiences and have, has more confidence, why shouldn't she get another job? And as they say in the book, she meets Angela to moan about it. And Angela says, why don't you get a new job? And she says, well, who gets a job at 79? And, and you know, that's the point is she got one. So there's no reason why she couldn't get another. Uh, talking about Angela, if there is a film to be made of this at any point, please could I be Angela? <laughs> I'm just putting in my request now. How's your Irish accent? Oh, my Irish accent's absolutely perfect. I could totally do it. Oh, just sit down. For God's sake, would you like a drink? Actually, do you know what I mean? You know what? That is not bad. Missy, open the wine. (laughs) (laughs) That's pure Angela. You are channeling Angela. (laughs) Um, Angela seems to me to be very confidently written. Um, is Is she based on somebody that you know? You know what? No, not at all. Oh, my gosh. She just... Sprung on uh, other people. Had, uh, I often base people on someone I know as a starter, and then they go in their own direction. But for some reason, Angela just walked in, and I was writing that scene with Sylvie in mind. Yeah, oh. and it was like Angela just barged in, fully formed, and I knew her instantly. But she's not based on anyone I know. 
So I don't know where she came from. She's a composite, maybe, of lots maybe, of people. Maybe, maybe. Who can say? I mean, with lots of other people, I'm kind of aware of, of the early gestation yeah. of who they are. Um, but with Angela, no, don't know. And the gang of three is then definitely made up with the the arrival of Sylvie as mm. well. This kind of yes. like um, this this beautifully elegant uh, French lady who sorts um, who practically sorts this this rambling house out mm-hmm. um, uh, for Missy. Sylvie, I think the balance of of her and Angela is something quite enviable actually <laughs> as a group of friends to have in your life. Did you enjoy writing Sylvie? <laughs> yeah, well, Sylvie again kind of came very organically. And I think for all that Sylvia is very nice and very helpful, she's got a dark past. I think she's a dark horse. <laughs> Stuff happened in her life. She, she, knows where the bur- she knows where the bodies are buried, doesn't yeah. she, for sure? Um, for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why, but I've started to think of her as a very posh version of Ness in Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> I don't know why I've started to think about this, but like this idea that she's lived a life. Yes. She has lived a life. Yes, absolutely. And um, you are going to have to scratch quite deep to, to reveal some yes. of those gems. Yeah. She, yeah, there you go. There's the next one. There's spin-off. There's the spin-off. <laughs> Her and Mary Poppins. <laughs> Off they go with a great big carpet bag full of tails. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, you, you mentioned that you uh, had attempted uh, to, to write a couple of um, ideas through before. Were you a creative writer as a kid? Did you write stories as a kid? Yes, I always liked writing. Um my earliest memory at school is that we all had to write a story about Icarus and everybody wrote like a page and I just carried on and on and on. My poor teacher must have been really bored of me because I was just scribbling, scribbling all my thoughts about Icarus. Um, and so I'd always liked writing stories and was always interested in crafting them and always done it really, but just not books. So in my job, I did a lot of writing and always enjoyed it. Did you did you expand on the actual tale of Icarus? <laughs> no, I think did I you embellish pretty rigorously to what happened? But you know, there was a lot of adjectives used. <laughs> um, where do you where do you write? Do you are you a morning person? Do you get up and have a coffee? Do you have a routine? I have a very strict routine. Oh wow! Uh, well, I mean, I've done an office job for over yeah. twenty years, so I'm kind of used to sitting at a desk and writing. So I uh, go on a dog walk naturally on Obs. brand, um, and then I. Uh, where I usually use that to think and plan and then I go to a nearby cafe which I love um, and they, we have a bit of arrange, an arrangement where I keep them in coffee <laughs> and they reserve me a chair. Um, are you going to have a plaque? <laughs> You're going to have a plaque, are you, in the coffee I shop? I did give them a proof copy to say thank you. Good, I should hope so. Um, and uh, so I, I write fairly solidly for about, I, I figure I need about four hours to get anything useful Do you have done. music? On at all? I, they play uh, the radio, but I just like the background noise. So I listen to whatever they're listening to, and I tune into other people's conversations, and I like the world around me. Yeah, but equally, I can tune it out if I need to. And are you are you a harsh critic to yourself? Is this ever finished? Was this ever finished? Did oh, you? No. It's almost like I don't read it in case I see sentences and things where I think it could be better. You could tweak forever. Um, and I'm very, I'm a very erratic critic of myself in that I will sometimes come home and read what I've written and think, I am a genius. <laughs> this cannot be bettered. And then I'll read it back, you know, the, next, the following week oh, and what? think, why do I think that was good? <laughs> um, 
So it very much varies depending on mood. Did they did they have to prize it off you in the end and just uh, yeah. go, Beth, stop, you need to this is this is done now. Yes. And I could go back and send them a hundred notes. On. I wonder what's gonna happen in ten years' time. Will you go back to these books, do you think, and 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 and, and be able to appreciate it in its complete form? It would be kind of helpful as a writer if you could kind of wipe the the memory of, of writing it from from your brain because then you could go and edit it with a much clearer head because it's often really hard to edit your own work. Yeah, like, well, you've got you. There's no distance at all. Yeah, you're, you're so, so, so close involved. to it. Yeah. Um. So that would be quite helpful. So maybe it, it would be nice to think that you know in a few years' time I could go back and read it and you know like enjoy it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was all right. You know, actually, well done, Beth. Yeah. Be um. Nice. Do you do, does the dog is the dog ever ever with you when you write? She doesn't like coming to the cafe with me because she doesn't really... She only ever wants to be on a walk. Or uh, The thing that she likes to do is I've got a writing chair at home, which I sometimes use, and she lies on the writing chair. Or if I'm writing in it, she paws and barks at me <laughs> until I get out of the writing chair. So to be honest, she's not that not helpful. Conducive. No. Not conducive, having Polly around. Not really. Did you have um, um, a moment of celebration about this book? Did you, was there a moment where you just, you, it was signed off or the cover was finalised that you gave yourself a big pat on the back and had a glass of champagne and just went, okay? There were a few really nice moments. Um, when we signed the deal for the book, I went to, to a shop, a high street shop, uh, a, quite a posh high street shop. And bought myself a skirt. And um, as as my husband will tell you, I'm really tight about buying things myself. I will only buy things in bargain bins. I can only buy things in the sale. But this time, I bought it full price. <laughs> so that was like really pushing the boat out. So I bought a skirt and also uh, we got a new window for the living room. <laughs> I really love that window. Well, that's so all that matters, happy. Beth. If you love the window, I that's really all that matters. I really love the window. And sometimes I'm watching Netflix and I just allow myself a little look at the window because I'm really happy with it. <laughs> when you were writing this and in your writing process, do you ever channel any other authors that you kind of go, wow, um, that's if I could sound like that a little bit, I'd be very happy? All the time. And actually... While I'm writing, I read very little because I'm so terrified that if I read something I like, I'll start trying to write like that. Um, so I think quite recently I read, read Standard Deviation by Catherine Heine and it, it's so amazing and she just has this way of making just domestic scenes really gripping like a thriller. And I started to think, oh, I'll just try and write like her, um, <laughs> which is firstly like impossible but also quite dangerous. Um, so I kind of keep it, to limited while I'm writing and then read like mad when I'm not writing. I um, hope that they'll all swirl together and I'll yeah. just get the best of everything. That's really interesting. Nobody said that before, actually, that, actually, that it can be su such a such a distraction in style. And it's almost like, I guess, being if you're one of those people who takes on accents yes. really easily, being in a room with loads of accents is you've got to actually really focus to, yeah. to stay I mean, true. I probably wouldn't be any good at doing it <laughs> if I tried, but you worry that you're going to. Yes. Um, and that is a distraction in itself, so I'd rather not do it. Uh, right, you are listening to the Magic Book Club podcast. We're going to go behind the cover and ask the important questions and chat more with Beth after this. It's time for Behind the Cover then when we ask our author, Beth Mori, author Beth Mori, author Beth Mori, author Beth Mori, author Beth Mori, to read us an extract of their new book that particularly resonates with them. So uh, it might be a great introduction or your favourite character paragraph, a bit of prose, or a cracking bit of dialogue. So 
What have you decided on, Beth? Well, I'm going to read a very short paragraph, um, which is just about Missy and her feelings of loneliness. The next morning, gritty-eyed and irritable, I slumped at my kitchen table drinking strong tea for the caffeine and catching up with the news. Today's death was Harper Lee, ten years older than me. Would I last another ten years? I was fit, in good health, compass mentis. But as everyone else dropped off, it felt more and more like I was outstaying my welcome. Sometimes the loneliness was overpowering. Not just the immediate loneliness of living in a huge house on my own, loved ones far away, but a more abstract, galactic isolation, like a leaking boat bobbing in open water, no anchor or land in sight. I might sink, or just float further and further out, and I wasn't sure which was worse. Oh, I think the um, uh, the the older driving instructors really did affect you, didn't they? <laughs> they did. I, I mean, that one of the things that's important about that is that although Missy is lonely and we associate loneliness often with old people, perhaps because their spouse has died um, or their children have moved away, I think the important thing is that loneliness affects Missy throughout her life on in some form. And I wanted to get that across because yeah. it's an unpredictable thing Mm -hmm. and it's complex and there's a spectrum of it so you could be surrounded by people and be very lonely you could be in a marriage and be lonely exactly Mm. and sylvie is supposedly on her own she's single she doesn't particularly have any family around but she seems fine yeah um so i wanted to get that across that anyone can be lonely and it can hit you at different points Mm -hmm. so um you know i hope i hope that i've achieved that because i i wanted it to feel universal yes you most certainly have um, yeah, you have. Tick box. Thanks. Uh, we got some questions from the listeners. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, great. We asked them if they would like to ask you some questions and they said yes. Uh, so this has come from uh, Diane on Instagram that says, Hey, Beth. Um, actually, and this works really well with what we've just spoken about. Uh, this book makes you believe in the good nature of humans again. Do you think that people are really as nice, though, as they are in this book? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to ask Beth this oh, question. Oh, Diane's a cynic. <laughs> Well, I have actually been asked this before, or or I think I saw some comment that said, you know, do people really exist like this? And my answer is, I think we all have to hope that they do. And that's why I wrote it, because I wanted to believe that there were people like that out there. And I have seen a couple of stories that people have sent me since that were stories of unlikely uh, unlikely friendships where people reached out. And so, you know, I just really hope that they do exist. They do. And oh, and there you go. We, well, we, they can start here today. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah. And that, and that um, I think as well, is um, that lo- that lovely sense of the community that's just that, you know, the dog pushes her, the dog's the nudge, and, but that sense of community is right there at her fingertips. And whether that's the park and those, you know, those unpredictable paths that, you know, literally bumping into people, or yeah. whether that's, you know, learning how to trust and saying yes. And, and it's... It's just, yeah, it's really, it is really heartwarming. And it can happen because there's a bit at the beginning of the book, uh, just after Missy's got Bob, where um, where the park dog walkers club together to buy him yeah. a dog bed. And that seems like, you know, really absurdly generous. But when I had my first child, um, all the dog walkers clubbed together and bought us one of those beautiful retro cars. You know, those beautiful red oh, oh, yeah. cars wow. that um, look amazing and very Instagrammable. Um, 
they clubbed together and got us that. And it was just like such an unexpected and beautiful thing that they did. And actually, I suppose that was a kind of a kind of inspiration yeah. for that moment, that it can happen. I'm so going to look at my dog walking friends in a different way like that, yeah. I've set a high bar there. You really have, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No six eggs from down the road won't make a difference. Um, Okay, um, I think the cover of this book is really lovely, says Jessica via Facebook. Uh, What made you decide on it and did you have other options? uh, For those of you who haven't seen it already, um, the cover is kind of, has little windows into the scene and um the the scene of her of her existence i guess it's really pretty and there's uh, it's is lovely well um i'd love to tell you that i'm fully responsible for the cover it was all my <laughs> idea but it totally wasn't my very clever publishers designed it and i absolutely love it because the thing i love is that i really love the subtle palette of it and i really like how how the conceit is that you're unpeeling a layer to get to missy and that there's hidden gems underneath. Um, so I think that it's really perfect, and I can't imagine a better cover. Uh, that said, um, I've got a different cover for my American edition, which is really beautiful, and um, the Australian-New Zealand edition um, is also... It's upside down! Gorgeous! <laughs> <laughs> it goes a different way down the plug hole. Um, it's such a gorgeous one as well, so I think everyone's done brilliantly but um yeah this is just i agree it's a really beautiful and perfect cover right then uh, we are almost at the end of our time with beth today but we can't let you go because we now have to ask you the really important questions these are the re- <laughs> just this these are brilliant questions are, are they yes you sure they're hard they are really hard, hard. you can't just throw these away no, willy no, no. nilly you have to have a think about these think. okay the important questions start with question number one if you could have written any book in history what would it be Right. So what I've decided on with this is Pride and Prejudice for three reasons. One is literary merit, obviously. Uh, Two is profit, because I imagine she's sold a fair few over the years. So I'll take that cash, thanks. (laughs) And finally... (laughs) She was like, I'm going to accumulate everything from date of publish to now. Yeah, yes. I figure I do (laughs) if if we're... Extending this idea. Uh, and three, likelihood of meeting actors playing Mr Darcy. Oh, oh, yes, of course. So I'd be having a really good time, I reckon, yeah. if I'd written that. Um, do you know what's really interesting? I'm, I mean, and, and this isn't, this isn't to, to, you know, to dilute your response in any shape or form. It, it's, su- it's clearly such a remarkable piece of literature mm. that, that many people come back to Pride and Prejudice again and again and again. Yes. I it's mean, just it's ridiculous. It's a classic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's also really, I mean, God, it was brave. Oh, and yeah. Modern it's and so totally subversive that, you know, when you put it in its context of mm. when it was and published. And warm and witty and... Dead clever. A happy ending. I'm so literary, aren't I? Oh, Pride and Prejudice. Dead clever. Dead clever. <laughs> if you could be any character in any book, who would you be and why? This is the hardest question of all because... When you actually think about characters in books, they sometimes have a hard time. Mm. They have it rough because, you know, books go up and down and you have to go through a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't want any of that. <laughs> uh, because if I am going to be this character, it's not presumably someone I'm like, but someone I want to be. And the best I could come <laughs> up with, and I do apologise for this, um, is Bella Swan in Twilight. Oh, my God. That's totally genius. Because she gets to be a vampire, right? Yes. Cool. And she's really hot and she's got a hot boyfriend 
And, I mean, they're kind of sulky, but, you know, I'll live with that. I'll be more cheery, Bella Swan. And they get to live in that kind of cool vampire coven in a really swish house in the forest. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, she had it pretty all... She, I mean, she went through that, that you know, the kind of the writhing around bit when she was nearly... Yeah, but that was, was only doing, about yeah. like three days, which okay, I'm sure was, like, really fine. painful. But yeah. after that, she was a hot vampire. She, <laughs> and then she gets to live forever. So... I'll take that. Bella Swan is yours. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much. Unlike Pride and Prejudice, I don't think anybody else is going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're wrong. <laughs> they're wrong, exactly. Uh, and uh, if you could read one book for the rest of your life, what would it be? So you can only have one. Well, That's I didn't it. actually have to think about this very hard because there's just one that popped into my mind straight away and um, it's Anne of Green Gables. Oh. Because it's just so lovely and it would just be like being wrapped in a duvet forever. I have such vivid memories of reading that as a kid. Mm. Like, well, such vivid memories. I reread it quite regularly. Um, and it, it, you know, multiple rereadings. It, it never gets old. It's still lovely. So I'll take that one. Uh, Anna Green Gables is absolutely yours. Um, Beth, Saving Missy is gorgeous. I, I loved it. Um, yeah, it's really lovely. And I, and I think I'm going to go back to it again and again and again. I want to see it. I feel like I need to get under her skin a little bit more. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much then to Beth. You've been listening to the Magic Book Club podcast. Until next time, happy reading. And if you've enjoyed this episode, remember, give it a rake one. And you can subscribe while you're there as well. 